Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Football Friday. Brought to you by Dino's Pub and Renton. Your home for the 12th man in the NFL proudly presents a look ahead at the weekend's games with KJR analyst Hugh Millen. Football Friday is on the air. Now, here's Softy and Dick. All right, always fun, courtesy of Dino's Pub and Renton, to get a shot to talk to the premier football analyst in the city of Seattle, our friend, longtime pal Huey Millen, joining us right now on the radio program. Dewey, how are you, buddy? What's happening, man? Oh, doing all right. Just still licking wounds from the Mariners, but uh, oh. hey, they, they got to get 27 more outs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, one All at a time, baby. One yeah, at a right. time, out by out, pitch by pitch, strike by strike. Well, let's uh, let's table that conversation for a minute, and I want to start off by talking some Husky football uh, tomorrow. UW Arizona over at Husky Stadium, two thirty, same time as the M's and uh, Astros. By the way, curious to see what kind of crowd they get for the game. I'll be there. Dick will be there as well. And so will Jaden Delora. Uh, the last time we saw Jaden Delora, he was busy planting a flag on your 50-yard line <laughs> after the Cougars ended yeah. the Apple Cup losing streak last year. And I'm, 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 Hugh, I'm trying to kind of think in my mind's eye, how would guys like Joe Kelly and <laughs> Reggie Rogers and Fred Small and Tim Peoples and Ron Holmes, how would guys like that react? Yeah, You're a former elected captain at Washington. How much of a conversation would that be in your locker room this week? <laughs> It'd be a big conversation. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I look at that and throw Tim Mamby, or if, as long as you're listing those guys. Yep. But, um, I think I symbols, did list him, by the way, but whatever. Did you? Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't hear. That's all right. Symbols matter, guys. Okay, you, you take your hat off at the National Anthem. You know, Think of the iconic photo of American Marines planting the flag at Iwo Jima. Right, that's an enduring image for any American. How about if if you're in a uh, airborne squadron and you had a patch, that patch matters to you. Now those are military examples, but everybody calls the president Mister President, even if you despise his politics. Right, so so symbols matter. Now, how about the college logo? How does that apply? It's not just the team; it's the university. It's the logo of the university. Every student, every alum, every former player, every, for, every former student. It's in the middle of the field. What team in what sport doesn't at some level say, defend our house, not in our house? Okay, so if you're going to say it doesn't matter, then why are athletics married to universities for over 100 years? I mean, the values taught and learned in sports have relevance an application to the broader educational experience. So when when eleven guys sit there in the and they stand at the goal line and and they look and they say we are going to defend this inch. We're tired. We're bruised. But we're going. You can look at the other ten guys and you say that inch of grass matters. Mm-hmm. Now on some level, you say well, why does it matter? Do, uh, the, isn't the biology class on Monday more important? Uh, I mean. Then, then I would ask, why even put a scoreboard? Why put a score? If as long as there's a scoreboard and there's an inch of blade of grass to defend, you defend that. And if there's a logo on your field, 
you defend that logo. There are many more important things in life than playing football. There's the education for these guys, their family, hopefully a relationship or at least a, uh, uh, some type of uh, understanding with your place in God. There's a lot more things important than football. But those three hours on Saturday, those three hours, nothing is more important in your universe than that football game and defending that freaking field. And so the, the, we've seen this before. Baker Mayfield planted a flag at Ohio State. Yep. There had been, that was a revenge game from 2016 where, where Ohio State had gone down and won in Norman and, and there was a lot of things that had happened. So in Baker's mind, that was revenge. He planted the flag. Here's the difference. Baker Mayfield was a senior. He was on his way out. If I was a, a, a captain of this team, I would, on Friday night, I would just remind our guys, listen, when Jay, when Delora made that decision, he was a freshman. And, and all the Cougars tell you it was already, uh, uh, everything was all faded complete. He was going to Arizona. Guess what? He was a freshman who knew he was going to play in this damn conference. Mm-hmm. He knew he was going to be in Husky Stadium again. He knew it. He wasn't some coward going off uh, on Sunday. He said, guess what? I'm doubling down. I'm going to be in this stadium again. And I don't care. And so you think of the 91 team. You think that he would have done that with Steve Emmons and Hoffman and those guys? And, and, and I would like to think the, the Purple Rain defense, all those guys you said, that no way would a quarterback from Wazoo have the balls to do that. So Washington football players, they have to eat it. They are carrying the torch right now for Washington football that's been around for 100 years. And they had a Cougar quarterback, a freshman Cougar quarterback, go in and think that, that he's going to take up residence at the 50-yard line. That symbol matters. Matters. That okay, was so... No, 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 no. You, if, you, you got me thinking of, of how... See, the captains have to address the team... On the Friday night, the coaches clear out. We talk to the team every Saturday, every Friday night before every Saturday. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, this that, that would be a big topic, and it wouldn't just be Friday. That would be a big topic in 1984. Uh, we'll see how big a topic is these days with these kids. And, Hugh, there's a difference between, you know, every blade of grass – and being more fired up because of what he did last year, and then retribution slash cheap shots. Is there a chance that we may see something like that, and is that chance bigger, smaller, or the same than it would have been when you played? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, First of all, um, as passionate and unequivocal as I am about this, I also don't want to stoop to a level... I'm not looking for any teammate to get a 15-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. It may happen. I understand it, but you don't go in, in my opinion, you don't go into the game saying, hey, this is worth the 15-yard penalty. Now, there, there are undoubtedly people who would disagree with that, and I would imagine I have teammates from the 84 team. Hell, they might be listening right now. They might say, I don't agree with you on that one. Uh, it's worth 15 yards. But I think in normal circumstances, there's a fraternity among all players, like, hey, you're not looking to injure a guy, but there's a gray area there, guys, because mm-hmm. you don't want to see a guy get carted off. You don't want to see an air, air cast coming out on a broken ankle on this and that. But, and this is kind of like, you know, um, Jack Nicholson in, in A Few Good Men, right? Like, you want me on that wall. Let me tell you something. The, the mindset of those football players, they want to break a rib. Okay, that that's a badge of honor. You break a quarterback's rib. You, I mean, hell, Dick Baird, 
Dick Baird talked about back a generation ago, they said they kept stats like interceptions and turnovers and sacks. One of the stats was knocking out the quarterback. Hey, we, we, we haven't hit that stat yet. We haven't got to the backup yet. Yep. So now, today, t- uh, tomorrow rather, in this day and age today, I would say that, yeah, it's elevated. It, your normal thought process is elevated. Again, I don't think you should take 15-yard penalty. I don't want to see Jaden Delora in an air cast. But if he gets a broken rib, and, you know, maybe I'm a little old school. If he's a little loopy after, you know, uh, a little uh, takes a little walk on Silly Street yep. for a couple series, uh, you know, that, that's just the mindset of a football player. They are going to, if they're not intending to do damage on him, then I question their competitiveness. Oh. And, again, within, not, not drawing 15 yards, yeah, but – that better be sticking in their craw or the Huskies aren't who I thought they were. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I am no longer clothed after hearing that rant, and I could use a cigarette from somebody. And I have not had a cigarette in five years, by the way. So if somebody could drop off a Camel Blue uh, at 645 Elliott and a lighter, uh, that would be phenomenal. That was unbelievable. And I do wonder, Huey, uh, how much the officials will be looking out for things like this tomorrow in the game, and you said you question the Huskies' competitiveness if they don't go after Delora and make him feel it after what happened a year ago. I, I would also question the officiating's competency yeah. if they don't have this on the back of their mind and are aware that this thing could get a little gnarly in the game tomorrow. So it definitely adds an extra layer. Uh, there, there's no question about it, man. But that was that. You know what? Round of applause. That was Hold unbelievable. On. That was better than his Mariner rant. Good stuff. You are just on a rant run this week, yeah. my friend. Friend, very yeah, well at, done. What, what effect that had? Well, you know what? <laughs> Do better. All right, it's game three. Dig deep. There's something there that you didn't even think you had. We got to get it for tomorrow. Uh, how about the Hawks against the Cardinals this weekend? And we keep asking people, including Mike Holmgren, uh, Geno Smith just won't go away. I think everybody just is waiting and waiting and waiting for Geno Smith to fall apart and go back to the guy he's been the previous eight years in the NFL. But what if it never happens? What if Geno Smith does throw for 38 touchdowns and seven picks and 70-plus percent? Is there anything that Geno Smith can do within reason this year, Huey, that would make you rethink investing high on draft day in a quarterback next year? Sure. I mean, I think we talk about this uh, in late December, early January. If he keeps stacking up games, then I think that you gradually uh, change your mind. I I don't think you can be... I, to me, I, I, one of my favorite words is reasonable, uh, and and I always think of uh, on a lot of things, uh, you, you know, having on a linear scale, having as much as something is is a good thing. Uh, you want to have as much. You know, you, a football player can't be too fast. A nose tackle can't be too strong. You can't have too much money, right? But a lot of things are not that way. It's it's the Goldilocks scale, the porridge, not too hot, not too cold. And so, it, to answer your question, for me as a, a fan, as an analyst, I guess. Uh, I would say that I don't want to be overreactionary and just after a couple good games just go, oh, okay, you, you know, don't get a first-round draft pick and, and he's the man, sign him to a six-year contract. But by the same token, I don't want to be blind to the fact that he keeps stacking up these games. There's no reason to make a decision right now. Remember, as I've said, uh, John Kitna was the AFC Player of the Month in October in Holmgren's first year in 99. And of course, they were in the AFC then. So, so, uh, and then everything kind of unraveled from there in a big way. All, it wasn't one wheel that came off. It was like three of the four wheels came off. So 
we still have time. It's really fun to watch. I mean, that second touchdown to Tyler Lockett, I mean, that reminds me of like the Larry Bird and Michael Jordan commercial, you know, playing horse for a, a bag of French fries. Like, okay, off the stadium rafter, bounce it off the scoreboard and off the backboard and swish, right? Like, like nobody even tries those type of throws. And yet he walked it out to Tyler uh, in a manner that you seldom see from any Seahawk or any quarterback on planet Earth. That was just breathtaking. Hugh, Mike Sando was on with Ian this week, and I do not believe this was in jest when he said the following words. It didn't sound like it was in jest anyway. He said, what would Denver have to give Seattle, along with Russell Wilson, to trade for Geno Smith? Now, may have been jest, may not have been jest, but I'll ask you this. Would the Broncos just flat out trade Russell Wilson for Geno Smith right now, in your opinion? That sounds crazy. It wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I think, particularly if you said, "Okay, that uh, that level him out," and, and Russell's playing at the same contract, you know, right? Um, uh, I I don't know what Seattle would do right now. It, it's easy. What am I supposed to do on a Friday before Sunday when Geno's been playing like this? Am I supposed yeah. to? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know where Russell Wilson is. I mean, we talked about his best last weekend. We talked about his best friend. Um, Help yeah. me out, the Trevor Moad. Trevor Moad, yeah, like his record before uh, the eighteen games before his passing and the eighteen games after his passing. Uh, you know, it just seems like Russell's lost. So you're right. Maybe John Elway and and the clan at in Denver would would exercise that trade. I mean, it's just you know coffee and beer talk. And since it's sure. Friday night, it's more likely to be beer talk. But it's a good one. Yeah, I think the bigger question is if they could go back and not extend him right now, would they choose oh, yeah, to not right. do oh. that? And the answer oh. is absolutely. Unequivocally. Like, we can debate about trading for Geno. That's kind of crazy, as you said, water cooler, crazy talk. That's kind of the Jamal thing. They gave up a, right. all that for him. They had to sign him again. Yeah, yeah they did, but they could have waited. They could have. Right? Just like waited. the Hawks could have waited on Jamal. They could have waited. And, uh, yeah. you know, Hugh Dick's been talking about, you know, the, uh, the rankings for the Seahawks offense, and this the Seahawks defense is the exact opposite. I mean, they are awful. They are like Swiss cheese. And I just think, you know, you play the over in every game the Hawks play until the Hawk offense proves they can be stopped and the Hawk defense proves they can stop somebody. Uh, do you see any immediate fix with the personnel they have now for Clint Hurt to stop the bleeding, or is this just simply put a matter of addressing this personnel-wise over the offseason? Uh, it's not just personnel. I mean, I went through, now I, I did this yesterday morning, but but real quickly, I, I went through and filtered the biggest plays by the Saints. Okay, you had the Taysom Hill, 60-yarder. Okay, uh, they put in seven linemen and three tight ends, the heaviest set you're ever going to see. Seattle only matches it. Uh, with base personnel and they run counter left and Jordan Brooks doesn't get to the correct gap and 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 uh, and you miss a tackle and off he goes the 54 yarder um, on the screen pass to Kamara that the Seahawks have a blitz with both Cody Barton and Jordan Bricks well one of them has to do what's called green dog or key dog where because they're playing man to man, but they're keeping a post safety. The math doesn't add up. You can't blitz six. You can only blitz five if the running back releases. So what what Green Dog means is is one linebacker says, "Hey, I'm blitzing no matter what. I'm just going to try and get the court." The other one says, "If if Kamara pass blocks, then I'll blitz two and I'll create the sixth guy late. But if Kamara doesn't pass block, then I have to have him in man to man." Well, 
Everybody sailed out. No defensive lineman even sniffed it out to try and and uh, pursue from behind. So Seattle looked like they'd never seen a screen pass. That's just faulty. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the the uh, touchdown pass that Taysom Hill had to the tight end. I mean, his only pass of the game uh, goes for a twenty-two yard touchdown. Jordan Brooks doesn't carry. He got a split safety defense. You you have to have the linebacker carry that tight end. If if we if if in high school. We had that completion. The defense coordinator would stop, run it again. It's like, how are we not carrying the tight end? Like, this is fundamental stuff. I just gave you the three biggest by yards, and then you see Taysom Hill on a walk-in nine-yard um, uh, touchdown. I mean, you could get that Taysom Hill could could score a touchdown from the nine-yard line, but when he just kind of literally walks in, you're going, what the hell just happened, right? Well, I'll tell you what happened. You had uh, Nuosu, who has the C-gap outside the tackle, he jumps into the B gap. And then you have Ryan Neal, who, who's the, the, uh, extra force player in the alley. He takes on his block with his outside shoulder when it needs to be with his inside shoulder so he can keep his outside shoulder free. So at least he can be on the outside of that. Well, both of those guys don't do their job. And so you've got Taysom Hill literally walking into the end zone. And so even if you had doubled like an Xbox in Madden. You can go in and like tweak it, right? And you say, well, this guy's a 75. Well, let me make him a 99. You can go in and you can make everybody on the Seahawks a talent-wise 99. But if you have the fundamental breakdowns that I just described, and I could do many, many, many more. If you have the fundamental breakdowns, everybody on the defense could be at a 99, like Hall of Fame level. But if you don't play football the right way, you're still going to be a bad defense. So it's not just the town. Now, the, uh, when um, Kobe Bryant got beat by, uh, oh, who's the Ohio State receiver that they Olave. Had? Olave. Okay, that play, I looked it up. It's man-to-man. Everybody's playing sound defense. They're doing things the right way. There's no, fun, there's no fundamental breakdowns. That was their rookie against our rookie. Their rookie is a first-rounder. Our rookie is a fourth-rounder. He beat him. Good for them. They executed I have no problems with that play. Because there wasn't unsound defense. It was just they were better than us. But the other ones I'm describing, and again, I could say more, it's like, dude, you, you can't play like that. You can't play like that in high school. You can't play like that in college. You can't play like that in pros. So they are having trouble assimilating the defense of Clint Hurt. And, you know, as a further talking point you guys should take on is maybe Jordan Brooks is better as a will linebacker and Cody Barton's better as a Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan Brooks was a better – He, I, I love Jordan Brooks because he has the ability to be violent. He's – I mean, his frame, how he moves in space, his acceleration, his temperament. I love everything about Jordan Brooks, but I don't love how he's playing right now. And, I, and it makes me wonder. He, he looks kind of like, like there's too much on his plate mentally. And so he's the Mike. He has to call out all the formations and call the uh, uh, the plays. I think last year, now, of course, he had Wagner next to him, and you could infer that Wagner was helping him out by – uh, uh, you know, indicating what might be happening out of certain formations, uh, but but he was more free flowing in his play, and so he's regressed in terms of his impact, and that's a problem to me because give up on everybody, and so uh, so th- there's a lot of things that we got straight here. My temperament. I know it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating. This defense is frustrating. Hugh, we have less oh, than a minute. God bless you. We got less than a minute to go. Uh, tell us how Bruce Irvin fits into this scheme because I don't think they pick him up just to sit on the bench. Yeah, real quick here. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I don't know if that's kind of a leadership type thing. Uh, again, Nuosu has been playing off the grid more than any player. And he's had a good season, but but he's got to be more disciplined. He was undisciplined from the first preseason game on in terms of, of advocating uh, or, or, you know, 
disavowing his responsibilities. Uh, you, as far as on the other side, I mean, Daryl Taylor has been a colossal disappointment thus far. He can still salvage, but oh boy, Boye Mafe, uh, you know, has flashed, but, but there's, you know, he's a young guy that's trying to learn. So I, I think that, you know, whether Irving, the short answer is Dick is that, We'll talk about it this week. I don't know why he was acquired other than mm-hmm. the, the guys at that position aren't playing well. It may be just a leadership thing, or they may say, hey, this guy needs to come in and make plays at, at, at significant times. So let's see how many snaps he has and in what circumstances. Yeah, I think it's the former. I think he's coming in there to whip these guys in shape and maybe bust yeah. some heads in the locker room, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Uh, be the uh, bad cop to Pete Carroll's good cop. All right, Huey, uh, I have people waiting outside the studio with cartons of cigarettes uh, right now for me. <laughs> so appreciate that. Go dogs, go Hawks, and we'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks, Thank you, pal. Okay, rock and roll, boys. All right, Enjoy. Hugh Millen, courtesy of Dino's Pub. And oh, that Ryan. was fun. That might be the second time this week that we replay a Hugh Millen rant, by the way. We might have to hit that in the 6 p.m. hour. For those that missed it, that was some... You know what that was, guys? That was some old-time football mm-hmm. right there. I'm not sure if that fits with today's generation, but that was some old-school Husky football chatter there from Huey Millen. We'll get a break. Textimony, excuse me, stats are for losers and the DPI coming up. We have a lot more to get to, including looking ahead to Game 3 with George Kirby and Lance McCullers on the mound on a Friday night right here on Softy and Dick on Sports Radio 90. 3.3 KJRFM. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.